I may not be a Mrs. Butler, but you will see my first and last dramatization here. And uh, my, my prop and also co, co-actor in this uh, drama, if you will. The part of Stephen Kreuter will be played by Stephen Kreuter. And uh, so while he is setting this up, I just want to give you some context here. Um, I will be playing the Lord. Uh, this scene will take place in heaven. This will be a throne. Stephen will enter, uh, and you'll see the first scene. Um, so to give you some context, from Jude 24, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. And then uh, the second one uh, is, is found in uh, the second verse that gives context is found in Malachi chapter 4 verses 1 and 2. For behold, the day of the Lord is coming and burning like an oven when all the arrogant and, even, and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither, it'll leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Let's take a number. I'll be with you as soon as I can. I'm busy upholding the universe by the word of my power. Um, I got a Zoom meeting with Michael and uh, Gabriel here in just a little bit. Lord knows I've also got a uh, choir practice with the seraphims coming up, but I'll get with you in just a minute. Um, Three billion, seven hundred twenty-nine billion, one hundred ninety-three, nine hundred seventy-five. Okay. All right. So that's what the kingdom of God and coming into his presence is not. Okay. Scene two and three are going to be kind of merged together here. Hey, Father God. Stephen! Yeah, Stephen! Hey! Hallelujah! You are my life! You are my life! Yes! My workmanship, my joy. You made me one in you. Yes, yes. You brought me life in abundantly in so many different ways. I have so much to tell you, my son, that my thoughts to you, they're, they're more than the sand of the sea. And, uh, oh, Stephen, um, come and sit with me. I have so much to share with you for, uh, to prepare for you what's, what's going to happen in the day, to strengthen you, to come alongside of you, to be the glory and the lifter of your head this day. And to know that I will not leave you or forsake you. Not today, not tomorrow, not down the road. Nothing. I'm telling you, Stephen, nothing is going to separate you from me. Of course your plans must be good. You brought me out of the desert. You, brought me, you fed me in the desert. You gave me life. You gave me water. You gave me food. Of course I know the plans for you in the future are going to be good for me. Yes, oh, Stephen, Thank this you, is Jesus. great. Thank you. This Thank is you. great. This is so good. This is so good. Oh, I love you so much, Stephen. I love you so much. Hallelujah. My love for you, my love for you makes you more than a conqueror through me. Hallelujah. Nothing, there's nothing that will separate you from me. Nothing. There is no scheme of hell, no power of man. Nothing, nothing stands between us. I am by your side. You're united with me. I'm your joy. I'm your strength. I'm your all in all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's All right. so good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Stephen. That was great. I have to tell you that the Lord said today, I want to do some liberating. He also said, I want to do some healing. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like, but that's what I felt he told me. And he also said, you know, you did this drama that I gave you, and that drama that I gave you will say as much as whatever, well, whatever else I share after this going forward. 
So the one thing for certain that I want to, uh, first of all, leave is a lasting impression in your mind about the joy of the Lord and what that looks like. Because we need that vision of joy for ourselves. If we're going to take it out there, we have to have it in here. And not all that long ago, um, John Barkanik was here. And one of the very first things he said out of his mouth it was talking about reimagining the gospel. And he talked about being excited about the gospel. So it, it, its origins, its roots, its, its strength, its power is grounded in the love of God and, and, and in his joy. And, um, and so this, this drama that you just saw, there are some significant takeaways that I want, I believe that the Lord wants you to take away from this. So the first one, now unto him, now unto him who is able. He's the only one who is able to do what he says he's going to do. He's the only one who conquered sin, who conquered death, who conquered hell, who, who faced and conquered every enemy you and I would ever face. He conquered them. Nobody else can make that claim or statement. He rose again. He defeated them all. And secondly, in this joy, when we talk about joy, we think about its ramifications and, uh, and, and the Lord working in our heart. But I think it is extremely important that we look at the joy that the Lord manifests over us. That word, it says exceeding joy in some translations. It says great joy. But it means to be exuberant. It means to be lively. It means to be unrestrained. And while it is true that yes, he is on the throne and he is doing all these things and listening to all these prayers, that when we come into his presence, I want to, by the spirit of God, the living God, I want this vision, this drama, if you will, that you saw today to be etched in your heart because that's what he thinks of you. That's what he does when you come into his presence. And, and so when we, when we did this, you know, we, we just didn't get a nugget. We just didn't get something that we can underline in our Bible. We just didn't get a truth that we can tuck away in some compartment. We got him. We got him. And he gets us. Wow. That is an amazing statement. And, and the things that Jesus says, I'm just reminded of uh, in John 15 where he's talking about love and then he talks about joy. But in his, in his sharing the truth, it's not like I am the theologian. I'm expecting you to take notes. He has, he has love in his heart. He has joy in his heart. And, what, and one of the things he says in John 15 when he's talking about this love, I speak these things to you that your joy may be Full. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. And I like that because what that's saying is his eye is upon us in the whole journey. We don't get joy just in the end. We just don't get joy occasionally. He wants us to have joy throughout the journey. But we, we have a part to play. We have a choice to make. We have to choose. We have to choose to follow his leading. We have to choose to follow what he puts in our heart to do. We have to choose to uh, be careful of what we take in. I so love what Tom shared the other week. I was, I was amazed. As a matter of fact, in this whole thing, I feel like the pot on the stove 
where macaroni and cheese is cooking away and the lid's on there. And if you don't take the lid off after it starts coming to a boil, it just overflows. And that's the way that I am. This joy, this joy is not just an emotional thing that, that is fleeting. This joy, this inexpressible joy is supernatural. That is such a simple statement to make, but it is powerful. It is miraculous. You, there's no substitute. There's no imitation. There is nothing that rivals it or comes close. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And to, to just say it again, he's excited over you and me. And, and so going back to Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord thy God, where is he in that verse in Zephaniah 3.17? The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over you with song, with pirouettes, with all kinds of dancing. I want to leave some things for you to just kind of wear around your neck like a, a necklace today, to keep it close. That this is the God of your salvation. And that joy is not just some compartment in the issue of salvation. David, when he prayed, after he did some horrendous, despicable things, and it was like, boy, can the bottom get any lower? He prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me what? The joy of what? Thy salvation. The joy is supposed to be like an umbrella over it all. No matter what area. Joy is going to be in that scene somewhere in your life. Now I don't know about you, but if I got the God of my salvation who is that ex exuberant, he's talking to somebody else, he's not talking to me. He is talking to you. He is talking to me. And what, uh, what's equally important in that skit that we did was, was uh, Stephen's response to the Lord's joy. If I just choose to, you know, thank you, Lord. Um, great. I'm just going to sit in my seat or I'm just going to give some intellectual mental assent to that. No! When he takes the initiative to do what he did, to leave all of heaven, to... For us, in the, in the story of the pearl of great price, and we are that pearl of great price, he spared no expense to buy us, to reconcile us, not just to buy us and sit us on a shelf like some kind of a, like a coffee cup or a mug, but no, to, to enjoy our company and to walk with us. And uh, so the response to the Lord's initiative, to the Lord's acting in our behalf is equally as important as the vision of seeing how the Lord joys over us. I've been said that I can get emotional at times, and, um, but I, I, I want to say that when the Lord stirs in a person's heart to respond to him, it's more than emotion. It's, it's grounded. It's grounded in his presence and in his touch and in his moving in my life and in our life. So it's a, super, it's a supernatural act of God that we can partake in every day. But something else that is significant. Uh, Jesus, when he's in that same chapter in John chapter 15, he says, herein is my father glorified that you bear a little fruit. Much, Much fruit. So, uh, so while we're talking about joy, I'm not saying joy to the exclusion of the other fruit, okay? But what I am saying is God's desire for us is to be fruitful, to bear much fruit. And that includes joy. And he says in that same, in that same verses, he says, he says uh, I say these things, I speak these things to you that your joy may be 
full. So in our, in our thinking of joy, there's not, there's not a little smile. Just picture this meter like this gauge. There's not a little smile. There's not cautious optimism. There's, there's not this hesitancy. And over here, where in the red zone is joy. No, joy is joy. God doesn't put a meter on it. He talks about joy being full. Then later on in John 15, he says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Isn't that great? I choose you. I get you. Yeah. And he says, and I appointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That includes joy. But I'm, again, I'm, we're talking about joy, but I'm not saying that to the exclusion of the other fruits of the Spirit. But in that same set of verses there, you find that joy is not some independent commodity that stands alone. Joy has its roots in God's love. Joy has its roots in God himself. And, and these things are inseparable. So as I was preparing this message, the Holy Spirit gives me a question. And, uh, you know, if the Holy Spirit asks you a question, boy, I don't know if I got the answer to this. So he says, if, if you could describe the kingdom of God in three, in a, in a single verse, in three words uh, approximately, what would, what would you say? What would your response be? And so I, I thought, you know, there's a lot of verses that talk about the kingdom of God. They're all true. Not one is pitted against the other. They're all true. So without, without stuttering, without breaking a stride after I, I have the pause, by the way, he's such a good teacher. He, he kind of helps with getting the answer. So what's true? So Romans 14, 17, it says the kingdom of God does not consist of meat and drink. But what does it consist of? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's found in the person, not in circumstances, although it's nice when circumstances happen to line up. But that's not where the joy is grounded in. So he wants us to be fruitful. And the thing that I so love about the Lord is, is he's, he knows when, when we're lacking in something, but he, he loves for us to be fruitful. He knows how to set up circumstances. He knows just what to say to bring us to the place where, hey, guess what? We're going we're gonna to work in this area today because I want you to experience my salvation. And maybe, maybe there is some pain involved, but that's not the end of the story. You know, I, I can only, um, how should I say it? I guess... When I look at Paul's life and what he endured, I know how I am if I get a thorn or a splinter or if I fall, if, if I twist an ankle or something. If I have to fix a leaky, leaky faucet or I get frustrated, and anything compared to what Paul experienced doesn't, doesn't even register. And it's like, how? How can Paul, who endured stoning, oh man, and being shipwrecked and, and beaten and unjustly accused and still, and even being thrown in prison, I can't imagine being in an environment where all around you, it's, it's anything but nice. Especially in, in that day, the way the prisons were constructed and what they must have looked like. But Paul, for Paul, he was persuaded 
by God that he's with him now, but God himself holds his future. In 2 Timothy 1.12, he says, I am persuaded, for I know whom I believed, and that he is able, he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Before I go too much further, there's one other thing I wanted to say about that, the takeaway thing with, at the very beginning from Jude 24. Now unto him who is able to present you blameless, blameless. How can he say that about me? I have this record book. I know when I, I, know when I mess up. But it's the idea that his grace, where, sins, where sin abounded, grace abounds all the more so we don't get distracted. It's interesting that the word joy is kara. And that's the same root word, I believe, for charis, which is grace. So Paul had his eye on the prize, Jesus Christ. He had his prize on what God, he had his eyes on what God had called him to do and he was not going to let anything deter him from what God asked him to do. So one other one other thing about this Jude 24, somewhere there's a verse in the Bible that says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And, uh, and so when we did that, we did that rejoicing together. It made me think, it took me back to a time when the ark had left Israel, was captured by the Philistines. And then it was coming back. Now, and, you, and it's like, what does David do when he sees the ark coming? The ark's, the ark's still coming. It's not there yet, but it's, it's on its way. And what is he doing? What is he doing in the meantime before the ark arrives? He's rejoicing with all his might before the Lord. He's dancing. And he wasn't going to be captured or debilitated or mobilized, but what other people might think. Or this is... Conduct unbecoming a king. Well, guess what? If the king is doing it, then it's okay for me because the king is setting an example for me. And so when the king of kings demonstrates great joy over us, it's okay. And however that expresses, however he leads us to respond back to him, Whatever comes to your mind, it's, it's all good in that way. You could be jumping up and down. Listen, I'm not a dancer, but if the Lord says, I want you to dance, he's got a reason for it. But what I don't want to do is draw a line in the sand and say, God, I'm not a dancer. I'm not a Fred Astaire. I got two left feet. No, if he's tugging on my heartstrings to do something, I'm going to do it. And so whatever that looks like at the moment, he may have you fall on your knees before him. But what I will tell you is this, is that when I do that act, whatever that may be, unto him, something inside of me breaks, but something inside of me is transformed and there's fruit being bore. One final thing on Jude 24. I don't want to forget this, and, but this is what the Lord told me, so I don't want to leave it out. He said, what you saw in that dramatization, you saw the great liberator. You see me, the great liberator, you're redeeming, uh, redeeming and reconciling so that Stephen had no problem coming into my presence, not slinking into my presence, but coming in with joy.
Isaiah 51. Therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return. When do they? And come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy will be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. But I want to submit to you, they're singing long before the final day or when the Lord comes back. They're singing before them. And I want to tell you, who is it that put the song in their heart that they're going to be singing when they come back? I believe the Lord had a hand in it. He's great at inspiring song. He's great at stirring hearts in love and joy and celebration. So in this, in looking at this topic and looking at uh, the fruit of joy in in the scriptures, it's a major theme throughout the Bible. And um, I did not do an exact count, but if you would try, if you would try to look at all the different words that have some uh, joy, joyfully, joyous, glad, rejoice in the whole of scripture, it's going to be mentioned well over 600 times. So it is, it, is a, it is a big thing. It's a big thing for us. If it's important to God, it's important to us. And the fact that, that he wants us to have joy and he wants it to remain. And uh, in that scripture that Donna had read this morning from 1 Peter chapter Four, excuse me, chapter one. Um, in this whole issue of and, and looking at joy, God doesn't expect us to fake it. He doesn't expect us to turn a blind eye to pain we feel or hardships that may come our way that we're going through. He doesn't. But the things that come our way that try to bring us down, that try to discourage us, that try to stop us in our tracks or to go backwards, those things do not, do not get the final say. Why? Because he is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. That's why Paul, when he's in prison in Philippians, can write about joy. That's why Paul, when he's in prison, can say rejoice in the Lord sometimes who said that? Rejoice in the Lord when circumstances are going my way. Rejoice in the Lord always, and then as if that wasn't enough. And again I say, rejoice. In case you didn't hear me the first time. So they circumstances, the enemy, the hardships, whatever comes our way, do not get the final say. And so joy has a bigger picture than just what we may be going through at the moment. Joy is looking down the road. Joy is taking us forward. Joy has vision. So when Jesus, in John chapter 16, he's talking to the disciples and he says, you know, I'm going away. And the guys, you know, they've been like through three years together and it'd be like your closest friend, hey, he just, I'm going away. So they're sad. They're genuinely sad. And they start questioning, what is it? What is he talking about? And then he, I like the way Jesus says, I know what you guys are thinking, so here I'm going to. So he says, you guys, you're, you're, you're going to weep. You're going to lament. You're going you're gonna to be heavy right now. While the world's going to rejoice. All right? That's what's going to happen. But guess what? I'm going to turn your, your mourning, I'm going to turn that into joy. And when that happens, no man is going to be able to take that joy away from you. What a statement. 
the God of our salvation, making a statement like that, that the joy I have for you, no man is going to be able to take it away. And no matter what comes our way, he will always be the glory and the lifter of our heads. Always. Even when we're at our weakest. Paul said it this way, when I, I'd rather be weak, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. Why? So that God's power may rest upon me. In that, in that uh, scriptures in 1 John, 1 John, 1 Peter 1, it talks about unspeakable joy. That unspeakable joy, it, it's too wonderful for words. So here's, here's just a thought. That if I get that kind of joy where it's too wonderful for words, use your prayer language and respond back to it. I, I can remember a time as if it were yesterday. One of the things that really, I'll just say, can get my goat is when I have to clean up somebody else's mess. wasn't my fault. I got to go in. I got to follow after. I got to clean up all the mess. And so where, where I work, what I do, cleaning up the mess involves more work. It involves undoing in order to fix. It may even involve starting over. I don't want to start over. It wasn't my fault. My thought is, hey, the person who did this mess is the person who ought to fix it. So one day when I got voluntold, I'm going to clean up the mess. And my heart was not exactly cheerful. Um, because I had... I had one of the things that I try to implement in my work is that whatsoever you do, you do it heartily as unto the Lord. But that just threw me against the guardrails. That just threw me, it tripped me up. So in that moment when I'm at that place, all of a sudden, this inexpressible, unspeakable joy just came upon me. And it didn't stop. It was just like, this doesn't make sense. What is going on? It was like, I was just elated. I was just delighted. I was just, it didn't matter what I had to do. And I felt like the Lord said, I'm making a point. I'm your joy. I'm the one that's with you in this. So what if you got to clean up the mess? Where's your joy? I'm your joy. I, I, it's even hard for me to put it into words and, and that's exactly what it says. Joy, inexpressible joy. And all I could do was uh, just say, God, you are absolutely right. Your joy is my strength. You know what? I could have done a, I won't say it too loud. I could have done a dozen projects over. But the, don't quote me on that. One was enough. But God, God was making a point to me. And you know that in different times, God has a way. When he does something, it sticks with you the rest of your life. It, 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 it sets something in place that you don't forget that helps, makes it possible for more fruit to be bore. There are significant lessons that happen on a regular basis. If we're, if we're open. I mean, God doesn't do one lesson one day and then we go a week and then he decides to come. No, but this day on joy, this is what he did for me. And I will not forget it because he made such a point with that, that my joy is found in him and that joy in him is unshakable and immovable. So this joy and, and uh, in First Peter chapter 1, Joy has vision. Joy does not stop. Joy is looking ahead and that there's going to come the day when we're going to be with him forever. But that joy right now gives us confident expectation that he's with us every step of the journey till he takes us home or until he calls us back. This joy, this joy grows and grows. 
This joy, this joy overflows. So, Tom had referenced the other week about the CDC and the number two thing on the CDC website with, uh, in conjunction with uh, coronavirus. And they try to play it up big on the news and everywhere in our culture like the boogeyman. And, um, and then number two on that list, and this is what got me all started on this, was that the fear and anxiety and then you're turning on the news. So at work, one of the things that we do every day that we put on are safety glasses. Safety glasses protect the vision. And I want to submit to you that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, His promises and His word are our safety glasses. Yeah! It's true! Because when I'm out there, you're out there, our vision, you know what, these glasses, there's days I'm glad it's on because if I get the chemicals splashed on them, it protected me. It could have skewed my vision. But you know what I do? I, I put these on and if they get skewed, I, I get a new pair. So when we go in our quiet time to the Lord, what is He? He's our, I don't want to reduce him to safety glasses, but he's, he's our protector. He helps us to see correctly and discern correctly and to act circumspectly. In Proverbs chapter 4, it says, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. So in Psalm 119, when it talks about his word is our counselors. So think about having a team, his word that is living and active. You go through the day and those words are talking with you throughout the day. Not only are they protecting your vision, but they're working in your heart. They're cultivating. And again, I think to a bigger picture, joy. If Jesus says, these things I have spoken unto you that your joy may be full, the fact that he's speaking into my life, that he's helping me to discern, that he's helping me with my job, that's a wonderful thing. That's a powerful thing. So, the safety glasses, and nothing compares to the, to the promise that we have in him that when he speaks, he sees around the corners. He sees things that we don't see. But what he speaks, there have been days when it prepared me Warned me, so to speak, ahead of time, going into the day, this is what's going to happen, but don't let it trip you up. You see, when we, when we walk on this road of faith and, and, and in his, grounded in his love and the joy he wants us to have, we're on a different trajectory. We come off of the enemy's terms and playing field. We're on God's field. It may not look like that, but with him, with us and in us and speaking to us, that changes everything. So, guard our hearts with all diligence, for out of it proceed the issues of life. So there's two scriptures that I want to just uh, touch on here. Proverbs 17.22. I like Proverbs. Proverbs 17.22. It says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Well, what does medicine do? It heals. It heals. But medicine in a, is also a preventative maintenance. You know, I, I take super beets, I take vitamins, I take vitamins, you know, you, you take it, but the reason is for preventative maintenance, to stay healthy. And so, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So, not only is there preventative maintenance, but it is healing. If you take medicine, what do you take medicine for? It's to be healed, it's to stay healthy. So a merry heart, a joyful heart is, look, good medicine. But a crushed spirit dries up the bones. What a contrast. So in Psalm, Psalm 30, verses 11 and 12, a key, if you will, to, to maintaining our, 
our joy in the Lord? Because just like the psalmist in Psalm 73, if you're not familiar with it, he started out on the right, started out his day, started out on the right path. And not many verses long into that psalm, he goes from being joyful and yes, Lord, and you know, good. His, his outlook goes downhill. He just plummets. And basically he says, man, look at the world. They're getting away with bloody murder. It's not fair. It's not right. What's the whole deal here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? It doesn't matter. It doesn't profit anything. Until he comes into God's presence in the sanctuary that changes everything. So in Psalm 30, 11 and 12, David says here, you have turned my mourning into dancing for me. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. Oh Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you on occasion. Forever. Okay, so David is testifying to himself, but David is also testifying to us and to future generations, young and old. You have turned my mourning into dancing for me. He's not turning a blind eye to the morning. He's even wearing sackcloth. But what does he say? You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. And I thought it's interesting. Why did he choose dancing? But that's what it says. So I have to believe that God is saying, hey, I want you to respond with dancing. Now, I'm not going to make that hard and fast, but yet you've turned it into dancing. That's like what I feel like doing in response. You have loosed my sackcloth. That means something really, really significant happened that he's wearing sackcloth. But God, in that loosed, it means to rip open. He ripped it open. And what does he do? He makes an exchange. And what is God? God himself clothes him with his gladness. God himself clothing David with gladness. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. So not only is David testifying, but there's something that happens when we testify to ourselves. We need to speak to ourselves when God does something. Not just for the other's benefit, but also for us. When we say, look what the Lord has done. Remember it. Don't forget it. That my glory may sing. So beyond just agreement and beyond just saying some words, that my glory may sing. So David's going to sing and he's not going to be silent. Joy wasn't meant to be silent. Joy was meant to be demonstrated. Joy was meant to let it out. I'm just amazed how people going to a football game can dress up in some of the wildest outfits. And, and uh, even though the Chiefs didn't get any further, sorry. But the wildest outfits, and I mean wild, I'm not going to digress, but they are wild, believe me. And, and they... They're not quiet when they're in the stands. They are yelling at the top of their lungs. They are shouting. They've got horns. You know what? We've got every reason to take the lead and to shout and to be excited and to be an example to the world. Not follow on the heels of what the world is doing and kind of keep up with the Joneses. We can set the standard and we should set the standard. And God's calling us today that we are the standard. When I was preparing this message, I didn't even get to the thing that really rattled my cage all about this thing with joy. And that was the thing that Tom had shared about the quote from, from the scholar uh, Breg, Bregeman, Mr. Bregeman, uh, and about the church having prophetic tasks and what we, what we get to do. That's another message for another day. And I was not going to bring that into today because it just would be too much. So responding, when we respond, God rewards it. And some things, and, and things are changed in our heart 
to where we are transformed. So in, in, the, in, the, uh, in this thing of uh, preventative maintenance, Psalm 16, 8 through 11. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. Here's what I want to share, bring out. I have set the Lord always, always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. He doesn't stop there. Therefore, what? My heart is glad and my whole being, my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Why? Because you will not abandon my soul. That promise in Hebrews, it's found in other places where he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So the power of his presence, the power that, you know, of my heart is glad because if I set him before me, this is what he says. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, we're not going to set before us what's going on with the stock market. We're not going to set before us what's going on when the toast is burnt. Uh, We're not going to set before us things that clutter or distract. You fill in the blank. I have set the Lord always before me. David is being intentional. He's being deliberate. And he's making a response. Not just a verbal response, but a wholehearted response. I have set the Lord always. What do we set before us sometimes? That's the bigger question maybe we should ask ourselves, me included. What do we set before ourselves? But God says, you can make the choice and you won't be shaken and you can begin to rejoice and watch Watch what happens in your heart. The circumstances may change. They may not. But the truth of the matter is God is with you in it and he will bring you through it. It kind of reminds me of Isaiah 43 where it says when you go through the waters, he's with us. When you go through the fire, is it going to take you out? No. Yeah. So in, in, in sharing this, it, it just also makes me think of Isaiah 61. And there he talks about receiving the oil of gladness for heaviness of heart. We can make an exchange. We sang the other week. I'm trading my sorrows in. Trade them in. Trade them in and don't look back. Don't regret. Trade them in. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So, I want to extend this invitation to you right now. I don't know where you are. Maybe you're, you're in a great place, and that's good. Maybe you're in a place where, where, wow, it's been a while since I've experienced joy, and I would have to say my joy's withered, and I, it's, I don't even know what joy looks like anymore. Um. And maybe it's like, I got joy, but I'm not satisfied. There's more. I want more. And it's only found in you. Then I want you to, um, I want you to stand up right where you are. If that's, if you want that, as I do, because there's more. And uh, I will say, That in that beginning, in that beginning uh, skit here that I did in the first scene where I'm typing away on the Mac here and I don't have time, I would have to say there's been times when I'm the one that's guilty of clutter and uh, God's there and and I'm the one that's telling him to take a number and wait. But it doesn't have to stay that way. That's the good news. That's the good news that he can restore unto you and to me the joy of our salvation. And he is the God of our salvation. So pray with me. Father, you said in your word, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine.
You're the great physician. You're our heavenly father. You know what we have needed before we even ask. And your joy is our strength. You're the glory and the lifter of our heads. And for all of these, my brothers and sisters, myself included, your joy does not run dry. The well does not come to, to an empty. There is no lack from your well. And so, Father, I ask right now that you would take the lid off of that medicine bottle and Holy Spirit, I'm inviting you. We are welcoming you to pour over our being, to pour over our hearts, to pour into every nook and cranny and to transform us from the inside out. Father, that vision you gave, that, that drama you gave about how you welcome us into your presence day after day, you rejoice over us. You give an abundant welcome to us. Father, let that vision not be clouded. Let it not be skewed. I pray, Father God, that the things that were said today, that you would prosper the words of, that you would prosper your words, that you would bring forth much fruit in these, my brothers and sisters, specifically that of joy, and that they would experience not only how powerful your joy is, but once again, how powerful and how deep and wide your love is for them, and that your joy is grounded in your love. Father, I just ask right now to, to wash through, to, to take out the clutter, to whatever has, has been a blockage, whatever's tripped them up, that it be removed. And I pray in Jesus' name for fruit that will remain. Much fruit. And Father, I pray that in the days forward that they will know that you are by their side, that you sing over them with songs of deliverance and songs of love and that their vision will not be diminished. But like it says in Proverbs 4, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. And you are that, Lord. You're that path. Hallelujah. I just pray increase and I pray for fruit that will remain and this specifically the fruit of your joy in Jesus name and to you be all the glory to you be all the glory and the honor and the thanks Lord thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and we purpose to respond wholeheartedly to the leading of your spirit that you would be glorified and that we can experience the joy of touching your heart and bringing joy to you in Jesus' name. Amen.